Welcome to Echo, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. Welcome to Echo. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. Thank you for joining us. And this is a podcast where we try to kind of address really important questions on faith and life, and uh, specifically ones that many young adults are facing, me being a young adult. Um, it's These are all questions and things that we talk about on the show that think, they're all things that I've had to wrestle with or I am wrestling with. And so um, I, one of my things whenever I, I'm pastoring or preaching is I try really hard to not talk about things that I've never experienced or haven't been um, a part of. And so um, all of the questions that we talk about here are things even I've personally experienced, and, and today is no different. Um, and so quick warning for you as we talk about some stuff that has happened in our families. Um, it could get personal. I don't know where the conversation's going. Never do. Totally fine with it. So, uh, But just be aware that some sensitive stuff could come up. Um, we could talk about, um, as, as we're talking about reconciling with family you know, and family members who've heard us, this is something that does have the potential. It could be something small. It could be something big, I think. So, um, yeah, we're just glad that, you, that you're sticking with us through, through our journey in this conversation. And I'm joined today by two awesome guests, Rachel Beaver and Rich Mascaloni. So I'm going to give you guys the floor real quick. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Rachel, to start with you. All right. Well, like you said, I'm Rachel Beaver. I am an intern with the communications department here at the Carolina Conference. Cool. And Rich, what about you? I am Rich Mascaloni. I am a pastor in the Carolina Conference here. I pastor in Florence, South Carolina, and the lovely Native American community uh, near around Pembroke, North Carolina. And yeah, been here a year and a half. I have been married for a year and a half to my lovely wife, Shelly. Hmm. And I uh, have, I love dogs, love <laughs> chilling at the lake, reading, all that kind of stuff. I got you. Awesome. And then you also host another podcast. So tell us a little bit about that as well. Sweet. So you have you do absurdity. I also do clarity. Um, it's all about the itty. We yeah, need I mean, echoity. You're uh, the you're the pod father, man. That's... Everyone's just riffing <laughs> off of you. So um, yeah. So clarity underscore podcast. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook. Search that as well. Uh, most of your podcasting apps will have us. We're clarity with Rich and Ruben. It's not just me. It's my buddy Ruben Casabona as well. And our goal with we really believe that it's through a variety of opinions and perspectives. As we're praying, we're Christians, Adventist pastors, but this is for everybody. Yeah. Um, everyone who's trying to get um, better work and live through this journey of life, um, whether you're a Christian or anywhere else on the spectrum, um, everyone's trying, I believe, to live life better, to see, see things clearer. And we're this podcast is about exploding our lives with ideas and experiences that transform how we think, how we live. Cool. Um, that's why I feel podcasting exists. Those are the podcasts I like, and so yeah, we try to bring that twice a month. No, I, I, it's weird, but I try to create podcasts that I want to listen to, right? And yeah, um, so th yeah, thank you for the work you're doing in that, and yeah, go check that out. Um, so Thanks, we're gonna man. jump right in, and um, let's talk about this. There's no real way to easily transition into into something like this, so we're just gonna jump in. But um, I, I, I want to talk about this in the in the realm of. Um, in two different realms, right? So there's continuous hurt, and then there's like an isolated incident. So when it comes to reconciling with a family member who is hurting me, right? Whether it could be, and this could be any level of hurt. So, um, but what 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 is the difference in how you would handle that situation 
you know, if it's versus continuous or ongoing hurt versus um, versus like an isolated incident that someone, but it was may have been a big a big deal, but it's an isolated incident. What do you think would be the what what would would there be a difference in the way that you handle it? Well, depending on the severity of whatever happened, I guess um, you know bigger things are obviously harder to forgive than you know something small, and I would also assume that um, continuous incidents are harder to forgive because there's a break of trust that happened. You know, if it's isolated, all right, it's broken once, you know, it can more easily be repaired, I suppose, versus if it happened over and over and over again, it gets broken more and more. Um, Hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Um, That's a good point. Rich, what about you? I think it's a difference in problem can create a difference in solution. Mm -hmm. My journey is more on the ongoing side. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I can answer that better with ongoing. You have that need of reconciliation looks a lot different. And the seeming stakes or the steaming pressure, um, the apparent pressure to act like nothing has happened so you can Mm. continue like you should have can be there. And perhaps with an incident that there might be that disbelief of, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, you know, but... I, there is that difference there. Yeah. No, I, but I, mm-hmm. they can be just as harmful. Yeah, I agree. Sure. And I think yeah. the, the other thing that adds to this is the fact that like a family is this elevated, this elevated idea, right? Yes. You know, fam- blood is, you know, blood is thicker than water, which ironically, by the way, that original phrase is, means the exact opposite of how we use it. <laughs> really? um, found that out. Yep. Huh. Um, the, but aside from that, and it's a lot longer and weirder, the quote, the original phrase. Um, and, um, the, oh, now I have to go into Please. it. Please, say, now I have I'm to go you into <laughs> it. Fine. Um, I believe the original phrase is, um, uh, the blood of a brother is thicker than, um, than the water of the womb. Uh, and, um, yeah. So the idea being, I think it was used in the context of war. I could be wrong on that. I haven't looked this up in a while, but yeah, the idea being that it was actually meant that those that you've journeyed through a great adversity with. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, shared spilling blood with you're closer <coughs> to than, or those bonds can mean more than those that, of those you're related to. So, so it's not wow. the water of your mother's womb. It's the womb of rebirth. Yeah, I guess. I don't Yeah, no, it is. I mean, those you, yeah. So I'm it's, confused. but it's meant to be family. It's meant okay. to, it's meant to indicate, yeah. yeah, family. So, but yeah, we have an elevated sense of family. That's not a bad thing, but it does make incidents like this or issues like this, right? Uh, ongoing hurt or ongoing problems versus, an isolated incident, there's more pressure to both reconcile because, oh, they're your family. You can't give up on them. You mm-hmm. can't walk away. You, you know, you're stuck with them your whole life. Or, um, you know, whereas if someone does these things or even half of the things, like I think of in my family, some stuff that's happened to me and I go, if someone did these things even once or twice, I wouldn't talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. And yet this person's in my family. I'm tied to them. And, um, and if I were to, if I were to put them out of my life, then that, comes back negatively on me there's then there's the entire other new struggle now of explaining to people why i had to do that right so there's and and people make judgments on you because oh well they're your family like so it's this it's this thing where you're kind of stuck in this and you've got to figure out how do i how do i deal with this and i think the for me the first thing that comes to my mind is the idea that reconciliation cannot be forced Hmm. um especially when it comes to continuous you know issues or ongoing problems if the other person isn't in a place where they can reconcile or they want to reconcile, then 
the most you can do is leave the door open for it and try your best to look for those opportunities. But ultimately, if they don't want to reconcile, then there's no reconciliation to happen, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, there's desired reconciliation, but ultimately the most that you can do in that situation is trying to keep be patient with them and, and love them as best you can and wait for the moment and let them know that it's safe in the moment to talk with you. Because one of the other things I've, I've learned, especially when it comes to whether it's, you know, absent fathers or, um, you know, anyone who went through some traumatic stuff, whatever, when they come around to realizing the, you know, the dysfunction in their old behavior, then they feel shame and guilt and like they can't go back to their child and ask for forgiveness or they can't go to their sibling or their parent and ask for forgiveness. Mm. And so making sure that they know that that door is open is really important as well. And like waiting for those opportunities to come. That would be kind of my first suggestion when I talk about how do I reconcile with a family member? I think that starts there is, is there reconciliation that's desired yet? Mm -hmm. And like you said, it, something like that can't be forced because the more you try to force it, it almost makes it worse. Because yep. especially depending on the situation, you could cause, you know, if it's like a, a parent to a child kind of situation, you probably caused your kids some, you know, emotional damage that stayed with them for a while. Maybe they're not yeah. ready emotionally for reconciliation. Yeah. Well, are either of you, do either of you have siblings? Both of you have siblings? Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you ever been forced to say I'm sorry to your other sibling even though you didn't want to? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that didn't get rid of the animosity you felt or the anger or whatever, right? No, no. Especially when it wasn't your fault. <laughs> but like that's the same thing. Forced reconciliation doesn't actually deal with any of the real underlying... Now, granted, learning to say I'm sorry is important. I'm not saying that that wasn't an important part of our development. <laughs> but um, in general, it doesn't mean that reconciliation happened um, and or that you're willing to really acknowledge what really you know, what really took place. And yeah. so it is important that, that it is a desired thing. Um, so what, I guess, what do you do when there is no signs of stopping? Or what do you do if you're stuck in that situation, right? So if you're a kid and you're 16 or 14 and you're two, you know, two, four years away from college or, you know, being able to get out of the house and, and into a different situation, whether it's a sibling that just bullies you or whatever, what do you, you know, how do you, how do you endure? I mean, opinions are our own, right? So let me be clear with that. For yes. me, I've struggled. So my dad was verbally abusive to us as children, and I'm still learning the impact of that on me. Mm. And so when I was coming to Christ, I was the main pull. One of the pulls for me, I started having that personal relationship was, well, God can actually help me not be like my father, Right. Yeah. So my relationship with my father has been very strained for a long time. And when I would go home, it was, all right, I get to see mom. Oh, no, I have to see dad. Mm. Um, I've had that strong negative feeling for a while. And part of when I started experiencing that grace for myself from being verbally abusive to loved ones and starting to have that change of character, I started to realize that without Christ in my dad's life, He's not going to have ultimate victory from that. Mm. Mm. And yeah. as I was becoming part of the cycle, Jesus was is helping be helping to be the interruption of that cycle. But that doesn't have that. So I started to have more sympathy for the fact that my dad, while each decision was his own and he should be held responsible, that he's not fully aware of the solution, right? So I started to have more sympathy for him, which helped, but that doesn't... So I started to look to my dad for less. Mm. I wanted to be the smart, um, 
as a kid, I thought if I could just behave, then I would be treated differently. Mm. And so when I started to realize I didn't need to earn my way with him, I started to look for him to him for less. Gotcha. And mm. then when I started to receive, before it would have just been a slap in the face because it wasn't enough. Now it's like, oh, okay. So I need to, and my situation is unique. I'm not, I wouldn't dare apply this to rape victims or other situations, mm-hmm. even other abuse, verbal abuse situations probably be different. But for me, I found that having my perspective changed and realizing how my relationship with my dad was broken and I was looking for it to him for things I shouldn't have, the realistic expectations helped me have a relationship with him. Yeah. Mm. And I was, I just started to be, if dad started to yell or become irate, I'd bow up. Mm. I wouldn't take it. He started treating me better when I became larger than him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of no choice at that point <laughs> to yeah. some extent. It's it, you know, there's whenever I see him be abusive with others, I'd say something about like, mm-hmm. "Come on, Dad, let's relax," you know, et cetera, et cetera. I just would avoid him, and I think it's not unchristian to avoid your abuser. Yeah, if you realize yeah. that I cannot be in this space without you abusing me and victimizing me and harming me, it is not unchristian or unchristlike to not enter that situation. Mm-hmm. I believe that really is turning the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Because well, when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, what he was saying was the Roman soldier would slap, would only slap people right-hand and backhanded. And so Jesus says, allow them to slap you once. They'd only slap you on one cheek. But in order to slap you again, if you turned your other cheek, the Roman soldier would have to slap you open-handed because mm-hmm. he'd have a sword in the other. Forcing, and if he did that, that would be an expression of you as his equal. Mm. And so I got this from Ante Joroncic at the seminary, and he told me that. And if it's not true, it's his fault. But <laughs> the, the, that perspective helped me because it yeah, started to absolutely. see when Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he's not saying, shut up and take it. He's saying, be gracious. But put yourself in a situation where yeah. you, if someone comes to disrespect you again, that they're forced to acknowledge what they're doing wrong. Yeah. And the mile and the coat do the same thing. They would have embarrassed the soldier. Yeah. To have that, there'd be some civil disobedience put in there. I'd say that's the approach we need to have be loving and be kind, but you need to have firm boundaries in your mm-hmm. relationships so that there's room yeah. to love them. Mm. I think we've, we've guilted. Um, we've, we've shamed and guilted a lot of people who, um, we've said, if you forgive someone, you have to restore the relationship back to what it was prior to the hurt. No, yeah. you can't mm. just forget the hurt. Yeah. Like that happened. And it was broken before. Yeah. <laughs> it being broken is how you got to that. Mm. Yep, exactly. And, and even in addition to that too, like the only way you can prevent it from happening again is remembering that it happened the first time, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just, and, and if, if something has happened, there, it's never going to look the same. And understanding that means that you can actually move forward in a healthy way. Because mm-hmm. if you're trying and trying to make it what it was before, it's not what yeah. it was before. And um, it is okay to have boundaries, whether it's closing your door. For me, with family members that I've had issues with, and it's specifically within the realm of mental illness, right? So for me, um, I've had to set boundaries on when I answer my phone. Um, mm-hmm. and what I respond mm-hmm. to. And when asked for certain things, I have to check with other family members to make sure that um, that person is you know, not trying to take advantage of me or trick me, mm-hmm. but that this is a mm-hmm. legitimate need or issue, right? Yeah. So there are boundaries and things I have to put in place in order to protect myself and 
not enable or empower the person or the perpetrator, right? Mm. So even in the abusive situation, you're putting a boundary in place to avoid the abuser so they also can't abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just to protect you, but it's also to protect them from jumping from from doing something that also harms you and them. Mm. And because anytime an abuser abuses, they're harming themselves too. And I, I'm not saying that wow. they're suddenly as much of a victim of it as you are. Yes. No, 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 not at all. Mm. Um, but they are harming themselves. Yeah. And it is something of you can't empower someone to keep being harmful. Um, and boundaries can be absolutely a requirement of, you know, someone cheats, you know, your husband or wife cheats on you. Well, guess what? We're checking text messages from now on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're going to, you know, I know of, I know of couples who have joint social media accounts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. accountability and things that happen because the relationship has changed mm-hmm. and but we need to live in that. Are boundaries biblical, Ryan? I mean, after all. I love your sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Please let me know because you're yeah. wrong. Because um, okay, boundaries yeah. aren't biblical. Oh, okay. Boundaries aren't families bi- are biblical though. I mean, think about the first family in the Bible One brother murdered the other one that that may have made for some awkward thanksgiving Mm -hmm. dinners yeah (laughs) well and and boundaries absolutely are a part of um i mean we do it when we when we realize that just Mm -hmm. yeah no i know you're you're but i think that it's a fair question too people think that they have this misunderstanding of this idea of forgiveness and um and like they have to restore everything to the way it was. And I think it is important for us to, to, to bring up situations like this in the Bible where, mm-hmm. you know, even when you convert, you're setting boundaries on what who you used to be in order to become who you want to be and or who you who you feel God is calling you to be. And so you're putting boundaries even in your own life against yourself to make sure you don't fall into your old life, fall into the things that you put, that you stepped away from. So, yes, I, I do think that boundaries are an important part of that process of reconciliation to say, yes, I forgive you and we can move forward from this. But, yeah, that means we got to work through some stuff and it's going to take some time. And yes, this relationship is different. And if we can acknowledge that, that's a really big step in moving forward and actually having a healthy relationship again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think, I think there is grace there um, and to be found there and mercy and justice as well. And so I think, um, I think that's huge. The other big thing for me is remembering what God has forgiven me of. Mm. If you remember your own forgiveness, it's really hard to, or it becomes harder to um, to hold someone else's sins against them, and it, you know it is the parable of the unforgiving servant. If your brother sins against you, and you know the servant was forgiven by his master, but then he has someone who owes him a debt, and he immediately doesn't forgive them. And the end of that, the end of that parable, we don't like to talk about, where it says, "If you um, if you don't forgive your brother, so also your father in heaven won't forgive you." Um, and that's not meant to say you have to, it, what I, when I bring that up though, I'm saying that every decision we make when it comes to reconciliation with family or friends mm-hmm. is, should be in the trajectory to get us to forgiveness. Yeah. I think God honors the, the journey. And I think, um, you know, Peter has a journey in scripture all the time. Like every, mm-hmm. every disciple, every character in scripture had a journey. And so moving in the trajectory of forgiveness, saying, what decisions do I need to make in order to eventually be able to forgive this person? That's the faith that that carries us through, and I think that 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 is honorable. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's my take. That's my mm-hmm. that's my two. Cents. I've been nodding my head the whole time for those who couldn't see. I mean, <laughs> we can use boundary the idea of boundaries as an excuse. Oh well, I just can't handle being around my mm-hmm. par- this other parent. Da da da. When reality, we may be in our hearts setting up a boundary or setting up <laughs> making an excuse. Yeah. 
to not get closer in that trajectory mm-hmm. of not holding that debt against them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While asking Jesus to forgive me my debts, I don't deserve forgiveness for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think boundaries. Somewhere. I think boundaries are also in a way to hold the other person accountable too, because not only there's you know the wall is between you and them, they can't get through to you either. So if they truly want reconciliation, they need to also make the steps to yeah. show that they want it, not just say it. Mm-hmm. So. Boundaries and, in that way can be healthy. And to be clear on boundaries, I'm going to give this one example um, as we're kind of wrapping up. Um, there is a, a popular Adventist who said this, but basically he, he makes the claim, he works a lot in marriage and family stuff, and he's made the claim that, um, you know, for a someone who is an abuser in a marriage, in a marriage relationship, that abuser needs to be in clinical, complete, like, like weekly, multi-session a week almost, therapy for five years before they can be allowed to be back in the home and considered rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Five years. Wow. That's a boundary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a boundary. So these these the boundary is meant to restore... The boundary is he cannot be around his family until he's re- rehabilitated, right? Or she cannot be around her family until she's rehabilitated. So, um, and that boundary is going to be in place for five years, at least. And that's, you know, that was... That's that's an example of a boundary. It's a boundary with the trajectory of restoring, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is not one that's meant to keep people apart. And um, so also I did look up while we were talking, mm-hmm. the original quote that I referenced earlier is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Which oh, meant that okay. bloodshed mm-hmm. in battle. And I yes. was right. It is in war, but the blood of the covenant of soldiers between one another and the band of brothers, you become closer to them than those of your family. But we say it as... Blood is thicker than water. So there we go. That was, there you go. Um, but hey, thank you guys so much for sharing um, yeah. and for sharing your, some of your stories as well. I appreciate, um, I appreciate the insights here. None of us are like licensed therapists or anything. We can only speak from our <laughs> no. experiences mm-hmm. and does it not necessarily mean that it is the prescription for everybody's experience. So of course. Um, thank you for sharing and, and for being on. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for being a part of this with us. And um, we're praying for you and your journey with your family. We pray that you can move in that trajectory of forgiveness. And um, and please know if you are wrestling with any guilt or shame as a result of your, you know, maybe inability or unwillingness to move in that direction right now, it's okay to be where you are. Um, and we're not saying that you there's anything wrong with you or problematic. Um, it's just that we don't want you to end up staying there. And so we do want to push each other forward as a part of this kind of community. And so we're, we're praying for you. But thank you so much for listening and for being a part of this with us. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.